Hey everyone, Pratiti Pathak here. Welcome to Unpacking Brain Drama, where we talk about real life experiences, the challenges and the obstacles. Sometimes we use them to block ourselves. Sometimes we use them to grow and evolve. Here's what I want to say. Obstacles are not the things blocking our path. Obstacles are the path. So in other words, we have to grow through what we go through. So join me as we have some amazing conversations with some amazing guests. Let's go. What's up, Wednesday? We are here with Unpacking Brain Drama Podcast. It is the middle of your morning, middle of your week. And I am here with an amazing guest today. Her name is Giovanna Elias, and she is a human connection, communication, and relationship coach. She is the founder of The Connection Code. Good morning to you, Giovanna. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me here. <laughs> Such a pleasure. <laughs> Let me actually go ahead and um, uh, ask you how it is, because I know you're out in Mexico, and I just want to remind you guys all that I just came back from Mexico. We, we wanted to connect while we were out there, but mm. it wasn't able to happen. So tell me, you are a human connection and communication coach with relationships. And you you actually help people with relationships in all, uh, all relationships, right? Intimate mm-hmm. relationships, work relationships. And you even say, even total strangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I believe that every problem that we ever have in life at the end of the day is a people problem. <laughs> Everything comes down to people. And so- you know, I started looking around, I've spent over 10 years traveling the world and I started looking around and thinking, what is it that really fulfills us? And I realized it's, it really comes down to our relationships, but relationships don't just stop at these intimate relationships. I think often when we think relationship, we think, you know, our intimate partner, but relationships really do expand from work to family, to the ones you have with your kids to, you know, our romantic relationships, like we said, and even people we don't know, you know, you could be in a coffee shop in a line, you could have someone really interesting standing behind you. And God only knows where that relationship could take you. That could be a business partner, that could be a new best friend, that could be a new romantic relationship. You know, that person could impact your life incredibly. And so I think when we really learn the skills on how to talk to people, how to open up to people, how to actually deeply connect with people, we can realize one, the incredible people that can come into our lives. And two, we can actually build deeper bonds with the people that we already have in our lives. And I think that's the very thing that really fulfills us at the end of our day. I absolutely agree. And I love what you're saying about the stranger thing. I remember Mm -hmm. my son actually, you know, I'm somebody who could stand in a grocery line and just you know, I'm nosy and I want to talk to everybody and I, okay. I'll i use anything like they're reading something, they're looking at something. I'll be like, what do you think of that? You know? And yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I am somebody that connects with people. And I've, I've actually said so many times um, that I am somebody who connects very intimately, deeply um, with people pretty quickly, just because I share something so intimate and deep and vulnerable about myself pretty early on in the conversation. I know I'm glitching again, guys. I I can't help it. You always have (laughs) robot Pratiti on the lines. I can't help it. But um, 
actually <laughs> i'm going to try to minimize this so that it's maybe helping a little bit i don't know but um you know one thing that my son would say is um do you have to talk to everybody you meet i'm like actually i do you know, and you're absolutely right, because I think that it's meeting strangers or not meeting strangers is kind of like trying new food. You don't mm. know if it's your favorite food or not until you try it. So I you don't that. know if you're going to connect with this person in which way, unless mm -hmm. you open up that line of communication. And I think the problem isn't with people being open to it. I think they don't know how to start. Yes. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, you know, it's so funny because, and I was going to say congratulations for being so comfortable with it because a lot of people really do struggle with the starting part of it. And I think it's exactly what you said of, you know, you'll look for whatever's around or if they're reading a magazine or whatever that is. And I always say to people, go based on your environment. So if you're, you know, in a line and you're watching them, you know, open up a magazine and read something, talk to them about that. Maybe you see a book popping out of their purse and that grabs your attention. Talk to them about that. Maybe you're at some sort of function together that brought you there. So you can start opening the conversation based around the environment, based around what's there. That's the easiest thing to, you know, kickstart the conversation. From there, you then let it roll. And so I always say to people to have the most fluid conversations, you want to integrate three things. And that is active listening, quality questioning and soulful sharing. Oh, and so, <laughs> and so I think that, you know, it's, we're always afraid to start, but I say, you know what, it, it really doesn't even matter how you necessarily start. Like I said, you pull anything from the environment to start the conversation, but it's really about allowing that ball to just roll from there. And if you're really listening to what people say, then you can ask questions and respond based upon that and they can respond back and you can ask and share more based upon that. And so now it's this beautiful sort of ping pong match, right? And, and the conversation just goes into this nice little flow. And I mean, people forget where it started anyways. <laughs> That's so true. I mean, do you think that it's easier now since people have been meeting so much? Like people like you and I, I think that we're a little more comfortable with it. Number one, we're on LinkedIn, we're in networking groups. So we're yeah. used to meeting strangers. Though I think even that is uncomfortable when you're in a common area. Like, like you said, if you're at an event together, people feel uncomfortable just talking about something that they clearly have in comment. Like, Hey, how did you, I mean, it's so easy to just say like, Hey, how did you end up here? Do you know somebody here who invited you? Whatever, what, why yeah. are you here? What are you trying to get out of this, um, this, uh, event that we're at? Yeah. So the, the harder part for some people, I think is standing in that grocery line. Even if you don't, I think sometimes we look for a commonality. I'm somebody who readily, easily, voluntarily, and is eager to give compliments to somebody. So mm. if I, if I see something that I love, I'm just going to tell you, awesome. Whether, you know, like, Hey, I love, like when we jumped on, I'm like, Oh my gosh, look how gorgeous you look in that green. I love it. You look beautiful. I want to tell that to everybody I see, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It happened to me in the grocery aisle the other day. Uh, this baby, who was a mom and dad who were trying to figure out some spices, and the baby 
was just making all kinds of ruckus with this coughing and sneezing. And everything. I was like, okay, over there, take it easy. And then mom <laughs> and dad were like, just laughing. They're like, I know, really? I was just like, and then I went over to see the baby. And I said, well, you're the one who called me over here. Clearly, yeah, yeah. my attention. Yeah. So I think that when we, you know, especially with what we've gone through in these past couple of years with keeping mm. our distance and staying away from one another, I think as a, as a human species, that's what we're looking for is that human connection. Yes. We want it so yes. much, but yet we kind of almost deprive ourselves of it. 110%. I think a lot of it's fear. And I, I like what you said. I think there's a lot of lightness and playfulness in the way you're opening up to people. And I think that already breaks the ice and makes it a lot easier. And I always say to people, so I think oftentimes the fear comes in when we make it about us like oh how are we going to look is this going to look too intrusive are we getting too close or is this too awkward as opposed to crossing the line am i crossing the line am i entering somebody's personal space it's like if you are you'll know it you'll you'll certainly feel it i mean communication is not just verbal it's energetic and so you'll certainly feel someone's energy And of course, I think energy is very contagious. So if you're comfortable and playful, that will also just sort of bounce off that person as well and they'll absorb it. But I always say flip the script and reframe it and look at it as people always have something fascinating that they can teach you. Everybody has their story. Everybody has some type of experience in this lifetime. And if we could even just find that gem in any conversation with any person, then it really becomes more about the them show, you know, like talk to them, ask them about them. The easiest thing to talk about is somebody else, right? Because for them, they already know themselves well. So, you know, it's just fluid. They can give you answers around that. And the more you sort of dig in, the more you can really learn about someone, their experiences and take away a lesson right there in that moment. So I think when it's like, look for the gem in that person, look for the lesson you can take away from them rather than it needing to be this pressure on you about how you need to perform. I think that makes conversing so much easier. (laughs) That's really well said. And something that you uh, just mentioned was, you know, when you're vibrating at a high level, right? When you have a lot of energy. So I'm somebody who definitely vibrates at a high level. People are probably like, tone it down lady, you know? (laughs) But I find it so easy. I can just open the door to a convenience, like, you know, open the door for a mother and a daughter and be like, good morning, ladies. And, you know, the little girl just lights up because she's like, oh my gosh, she called me a lady, you know? So I think it's so easy. It's so much easier than we're actually, we're complicating it. 110%. I think we're attached. Hey, I love your earrings or gosh, your beautiful eyes. Like, it's very easy sometimes. And when you kind of let your guard down, even just having, like you said, body language, just smiling and making eye contact immediately kind of loosens up the other person's energy and maybe increases their energy a little bit. Um, Definitely. But yeah, strangers is, is one thing. Uh, I know I'm sure my audience really (laughs) would love to know what are some tools that you help people with or what are people struggling with in um, the relationships with their children? Like it's almost the Mm. same way that I used to approach my son is Mm -hmm. if I wanted the time with him and come 
communication opened up where he could tell me some things that maybe I want to know. Mm-hmm. I would take him to go do something that I knew. I would create the environment. Yes. Yes. So I would just take him to go play ball. I would take him to go, you mm. know, shopping, whatever. And then eventually as a boy, he'll be hungry. I'll feed him. And that's when now his he's very comfortable and he's feeling good and he's in that right headspace. Um, what are some, mm. and then he'll just open up. So what are some things that people come to you for, for help? And what are some tools that you give them to yeah. help them right away? So in general, I'll say this in general, I have my Nike system that I call the connection code. And so I usually walk my clients through these nine keys. We spend about three months really digging into them and I'll share a few of them with you today. I wanted to touch just for a moment on you mentioning kids relationship with kids specifically. And I think what I often see taking place is that adults feel that they need to speak to their kids from almost like a, a different level angle, a different level. Exactly. And I would assume that your kids are just as genius in their own ways and that they have just as much to offer and to teach us. And so I think when we actually start opening up and dialoguing with our kids rather than shutting them down and actually asking them questions, like, what would you like to do? What moves you? What inspires you? you know, what led you to do this? Or how about we create a list of all the things that are really exciting for you? And so we can do that. Or, you know, even on the side of maybe there's tension happening, maybe they didn't do their homework, maybe they don't want to do something, maybe they're arguing to go out. Rather than just saying no, or you have to do this or whatnot, I would dialogue with your kids and go layers deeper and say, you know, What actually led you to do this? How are you feeling when you did this? Or what's preventing you from doing your homework? Do you see the bigger picture and why that might be important? Is it important? You know, I, so years ago, and then I'll go into the the keys, but years ago, I worked on a a native reserve with suicidal um, youth who were also dropouts in, in school. And so my job was to encourage them to not only stay in school, but to really enjoy what they're doing and also to build a healthy lifestyle overall. Mm -hmm. And so I would find that these kids would get in trouble. They'd be sent to this, um, you know, room in, in the middle of the school, kind of off somewhere else. And they'd have to just sit there for the rest of the class in silence and there it's would like be a monitoring room. That's exactly what it was. It was like yeah. all the kids would just be sent to this detention center. And there was a woman monitoring it, but she didn't do anything. It was just her sitting there. And so I'm thinking, okay, so these kids are sent here. They're missing class. They're going to lose out on whatever they just learned. So they're going to be behind. And nobody's even engaging with them or talking to them about what was really going on that led them into this detention center, let's say, to begin with. So I would literally sit down with them and I'd paint out like a, um, a spider web map and we'd move backwards. And I say, if you could be anything in your life, what do you want to be? And so, you know, they were kind of like hesitant at first, like, can I choose this or can I choose that? I was like, pick anything you want to be sky's limit. And they'd start talking to me. And so we put it down in the center. Okay, this is the thing you want to be. And then we work backwards. I'd be like, okay, what would be the step before that to get there? And they say, okay, maybe I have to do this. I was like, okay, great. I said, what would be the step before that? 
they'd be like, okay, this, and before that, okay, this, and before that, and before that, and then we get to where they're sitting today. And I'd be like, do you see that where you're sitting today is not going to lead you all the way to the center unless we do these steps differently? So now they've got it broken out very clearly. These are the steps you want to take to get to where you want to be. And of course, you know, I tossed it in like one of the steps is studying and doing your homework. <laughs> and but in a way that made it fun for them to get to where they want to end up. And so now they see the big picture and now they understand what they're working towards and why it's actually meaningful to move in that direction and to do the work and to listen in class rather than being rambunctious. Yeah, so it increases their level of commitment to why they're doing what they're doing. Exactly. And I, I think if we were to talk to kids like that and break it down for them and say, okay, let's actually go into it a bit deeper. You know, maybe you didn't want to listen in class because it's boring. It's not engaging. You don't see the big picture as to how this is going to help you. So really talking to them about these things helps them get there. And this actually speaks to one of my keys that I talk about out of the nine keys, which is clarity. And so I think that when we are not clear about where we want to go, where we want to end up, or even if we're not clear in our communication, then there's a lot of things that get lost in the process. And so, you know, in this case, had nobody spoken to these kids, <laughs> they'd be sitting there and nobody would be clear or understanding what leads them to do what they do, why they're acting up in class. But on the flip side, they're not even clear about why they're in school and why it's actually maybe important for them so that they can grow to be the person that they want to be. I see it so many times in all relationships that, you know, there's these fights that break out, problems that are happening. It could be in the workforce. You know, your boss or your manager is not clear about the tasks and people don't know what to do now. And so oftentimes we get afraid to ask. And so rather than asking the simple questions and saying, listen, I might not know, but I'd rather be clear so I can execute the task well, we kind of just shy away and say, okay, let me see if I can do it. And that could cause problems or conflict long-term. Same thing in romantic relationships right? We're not clear about what we want. How many couples I've had come to me that don't have a strong sex life? Yes. Yes. And I'm like, are you communicating clearly about what you want? Do you even know what you want to be able to talk about it? And then of course, there's the next piece about being comfortable. <laughs> they don't. And, and you know, what is interesting is um, that one thing that stands out the most is not only like when you go back to the kids in the detention class, uh, we had that in our school too, you know, you, mm. you were late or whatever, you got a detention sub. So there's like, you actually had to do, and like, if it was like, it, it was kind of remind me of like a detention or like an in-school suspension where the kids would have to stay all day. And like you said, nobody's engaging with them. So not only are they not seeing the big picture on why they should be doing what they're doing, the other thing that's happening that I think that we uh, completely skip over and fail to even recognize it, uh, as adults, you know, as, as the bigger humans in the world teaching and sending examples for these young folks is what they're making that mean about them. Like they are like, I'm a bad person. I'm not mm -hmm. I'm screwing up. Like I'm a screw up. Like that just, that just takes everything about themselves to a whole nother level that makes it even that much more of a block for them to actually yes. be successful in their own lives. Where I think our job as, um, 
the older humans on the on the yeah. planet setting yeah. an example for our youngsters we we're as parents we seem to be talking at our children instead yes. of having the power of questions like you said is like asking really powerful questions like even when my kid was two, three years old, I would say, do you want to wear this? Or do you want to wear this? It made them, made my son feel like he was valued. His opinion was important. What he wanted yeah. was, was empowered. Yeah. And he I think choice. these little things that we can do go such a huge difference distance, just as the small things that we do yeah. that take away their power go a very long distance as well. And 100%. that is what leads into our lack of um, skill in communication with our significant other, with our boss and colleagues and just everywhere where of course it trickles right down to feeling inadequate in order to talk to strangers when we yeah. suck at talking to the people yeah. we're in a relationship yeah, with. Yeah, we're even close with, of course. That's exactly it. And, you know, I love that you brought it back to asking quality questions because the very first key I teach is curiosity. And we need to get curious, first and foremost, about ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, what do we want? What do we need? What do we desire? What are our boundaries? What are our values? Because if we're not clear within ourselves, how do I want to show up with my kids? How do I want to show up in my romantic relationship? How do I want to show up with a complete stranger when I'm networking in business? All of these things. And when I'm Who by I'm... myself. Yeah. And when I'm by myself, like the yeah. power of questions start with the right, the question, the powerful questions you ask yourself. We yeah. ask ourselves a lot of crappy questions throughout <laughs> well, we the don't. night. Oh, and our brain ask. answers them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, and that's that's exactly it. I mean, there's the, there's lots of tools, to, journaling being one of the most simplest ones to really just get it out and, and, you know, see clearly what's going on within us. But when we start asking ourselves what, what we want, what we desire, what we need, what we value, what our boundaries are, all these things, then we can communicate it clearly with the people in our lives. And that curiosity also extends to other people. This is like what I was saying with strangers, get curious about who they are and know about who they are because we can learn from them. But I also see, unfortunately, what happens is oftentimes we have people in our lives that we've known for so many years, our parents, sometimes romantic relationships, husband, wife, even our kids. And we're like, oh, we know who they are already. We assume we know who they are. We know their experiences. We know what they want. And so we don't ask. As opposed to like going deeper and saying, actually, I don't know who you are before I came into this life. You know, I had this conversation with my mother the other day. I'm like, I know you traveled a lot, but you actually never told me any of the countries you went to. Okay. I was like, tell me about those experiences. Because even the closest people to us, we sort of take it for, for granted that we almost know them fully in and out, but we don't know a lot of their history still. And so I think when we unpack that, we can also learn a lot from them and connect deeper with the people already in our lives that have been there for a long time. And we build greater understanding. And in understanding the people that are around us, we can then actually connect on a deeper level. You know, and there's none of this tension taking place because we're assuming we know what they want. 100%. I love that because I even um, when I'm talking to couples, I want to remind them, you know, what you're saying is we think we know them, so we don't go any deeper with it, which then ultimately leads to like, oh, we grew apart or the, the spark is just no longer there. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, 
you know, it's very easy to grow apart because as a human being, you're evolving to the next version of yourself every day. There yes. are new experiences happening, not just your childhood experiences, but you as um, one part of your partnership is going to work in your job and your career, whatever you're doing throughout the day, you're interacting with your own experiences every day. And then your partner is having their own interactions all day long. And mm -hmm. if you're not coming home and sharing the new version of yourself yes, every day, yes. then yes. of course, you know, you don't need to spice things up. You need to just be consistent in sharing that new version of yourself every day. Like, Hey, this happened. Mm -hmm. share what what do you think about that what do I think about that why how could this have been different what would you have done the, these are really great ways of just connecting with your partner every single day and the same thing same exact questions could be happening with your kids because they're being affected every day by their experiences at school which are very same every day, but different because of the, you know, different things that go on in a, in a school setting. But this is a really good way of enhancing that relationship on a regular daily basis. And it is about your, your daily practices is what yes. makes up your end results. So definitely. And I love it. Checking in. It's exactly what you said. Checking in, actually conversing, actually getting to know that, know that new version of the person actually going deeper in conversation, unraveling the onion. You know, I always say this, people have layers to them. So we want to actually unravel those layers and get to the core and really understand who people are at their true core. Cause I think there's so much depth. There's so much value there that we don't necessarily see when we're just speaking on surface level. So if we can really start to unpack that, I, I know for myself, there's been moments for TT that I've talk to people and literally within five minutes, they're already sharing with me about how they lost their father, um, you know, within the last like few weeks or month or, you know, something serious happened with their mother. And I'm like, oh, whoa, I didn't see the conversation going this deep so fast. And I appreciate that because I think people will open up to you when they feel comfortable. And so I see it as an indication of like, if we could go layers deep and that quickly, I've done my work right. You know, I've given you energetically the feeling that you can feel safe in this conversation to start sharing with me. And I think that's really powerful. It is that yeah. the word that you used right there is safety. You know, when yeah. somebody feels safe and they automatically feel safe when you're, when you're connecting. And that is a, a, a big reason on why I feel like I have that gift to be able to connect to people so intimately and deeply. I had that when outside, I used to be a smoker and I noticed this older gentleman sitting across from me and he just seemed so sad and alone. And at one point I saw he was kind of missing. So I went outside, he was standing out there and within like just moments, he was tears running down his face and mm. sharing with me how he lost his wife for 56 years. And to the point, like I handed him my business card and I said, you know, we talked for quite a while and he's like, I don't even know why I'm telling you this. I get that all the time. I've not told this to anybody. I don't even share this with my best friend or my mom or whatever. And I, and I said, you know, you're welcome to call me anytime if you want to talk. And, um, I, I love that. I feel so honored 
mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. somebody would share something so deep and intimate about themselves with me because yeah. it feels safe to do that. So I love that when that that's happens. exactly it. I think that's really beautiful too, because you're building a connection and with a complete stranger. And I think sometimes those are the most beautiful connections that can happen, you know, when there is, there's nothing really at stake and there's also like no attachment to anything and you can really just be human. And, you know, it, I, it reminds me what you're talking about reminds me of a time when I was at a bus stop and I watched a girl crying there by herself and I sat beside her and I just started dialoguing and asking her if she needed anything and if she was okay. And I think moments like that, she looked shocked. And I think most people would be shocked because they think you don't know me for a hole in the wall and yet you seem to care. Yeah. So I think when we can tap into that as humans and rather than putting these barriers on us about like, once again, I have to be a certain way. I have to look a certain way. I have to, you know, maybe I can't come into your space. This is definitely a very big North American thing. <laughs> We're all like space, space conscious, um, which is, not necessarily a problem, but I sometimes wonder if it's to our detriment because then rather than, you know, going, like I said, layers deeper with someone checking in, seeing if they're okay, we sort of shy away because we're afraid of, you know, coming in too close to someone and it may be too vulnerable. But I think that is, you know, where the gold is at. I agree. I'm like, that's when you need it the most. You know, I'm, I'm a mother who's lost a child and I can tell you right now, most people, when they're having a tough day, that's when they think they need to keep to themselves. What if you were just in the cashier line? I've done it. And I'm like, you know what? I said, I apologize. I wasn't paying attention. I'm like, I lost my son. Like, you know, today's his anniversary, whatever, whatever the thing was, I said it out loud. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the woman on the other side of the counter, the cashier, literally her whole face, body, everything just dropped. She came around the side. She gave me a hug and she's like, I just lost my son last year and I'm really sure. So it instantly connected. When you are going through, and that is where the gold is. Share the thing that you have struggled with the most. I guarantee if you open up and say, hey, I was picked on and bullied, every freaking other person that you're on the talking to is going to say the same exact thing because I don't know a single person who wasn't picked on and bullied right yeah yeah and and you were short ugly fat skinny whatever you were (laughs) and even if it wasn't so bad as teens and kids we internalize things anyways exactly (laughs) you asked me to go back ourselves yeah yeah well yeah definitely I mean we're we're all so awkward and uncomfortable at some point or others sharing our uncomfortableness and sharing our awkwardness is what opens and opens us up and for anybody and everybody who would be listening to this whether you're on the facebook live with us whether you're re-watching the recording or you're listening Mm -hmm. to it on the podcast especially today in the times that we're living like if human connection isn't needed the most like we do not have to jump on the bandwagon of sharing everybody else's opinion like stand for what you want to stand for but open up and be vulnerable and be real with yourself, number one. And that will be the fastest and easiest way to connect with the next human being, because that's, you know, that's, that's what we want. We want to fit in with the tribe. Otherwise we die. Like our brain requires us to fit in, which is why we're, we struggle with the fear of like, if I say something, will I fit in? It doesn't matter whether you will or won't, you won't find out until you do. Until you share. And I, I'm happy you said that. 
um, so one of, one of the other nine keys that I touch on is what I call being fully expressed. And this is all about this. It's about being courageous enough to open up and share. With that being said, I do think it is important for us to also be mindful of, is this a safe space to do so? Because I've heard from too many clients of mine before that they've sort of just, you know, opened up to people that they intuitively knew wouldn't be able to hold space for them. And I think that in an ideal world, we should be able to talk to everybody about everything at all given points in time. And I would still say there is that, there is sort of that intuitive layer to, to communicating with people. Like as you did with the woman in the cash register, obviously you felt very comfortable to open up and just share with her and it felt like the right moment. And that's beautiful. I also see that you're not attached to the outcome of a conversation. So you're like, you know what, I'm playful, I'm light, but let me share what's going on with me. Versus I do see people that are very attached to, okay, what if I open up and it doesn't turn out the way I need it to? And if they don't know to, you know, how to respond and all of these things. And I think then we become, like I said, too attached to the outcome, the end result. And so we want to make sure that if that is a fear coming through, we want to put ourselves in alignment with one ourselves, but also in a safe space that we feel comfortable with the person that we're about ready to open up to. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I I know that I want to value everybody's time here, and we're going to jump off in a few minutes here um, and let it go over. But uh, you know, we're going to dive deep on this because I think that where my comfortableness comes from, like you said, number one, I'm not attached to the outcome, and the reason is because I have gotten into a very beautiful and comfortable relationship with allowing myself to feel shame. Right. And when you can process very difficult emotions because mm-hmm. you let something out and now all of a sudden, or you did something and you got to be upfront with it. Um, and I've done it. <laughs> I've done it where I've had to face not only everybody else, but the most important person, which is myself. And then I mm-hmm. had to uh, sit with myself with anything that's gone on for me in my life, whether it was through relationships or uh, jobs or what, whatever in life, life will offer you things that you're not always proud of. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you are in conversation with somebody, if the fear is there on opening up because of what somebody else might think about you or judge about you or have an opinion about you, it's probably because you've already had that thought, judgment, and opinion yes. of yourself. So 100%. that if you can be comfortable with like, hey, I totally screwed up. I get it. I own it. And I love myself anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Through all of it. And I can treat myself with some love and compassion and some forgiveness. Then it's okay. Like I say it all the time. I am willing to allow people to judge me. And I am willing to allow people to be wrong about me. And I love that thought is allowing people to be wrong about me because if they don't know you, they may have a judgment that isn't quite accurate and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, our goal in this life is not to be perfect for everybody, nor to be necessarily loved by everybody. That's not necessarily it. I think, I think more than anything, it is to connect in the moments that we have opportunities to connect with people. And so if we are with people and we are around them and we can take those extra steps to go deeper with them, then I would say do it. And 
And, you know, that's the very thing I think more than anything that fulfills us as human beings, because when we have those deep connections, we have quality relationships and that leads to a quality life. I, I love that. I mean, it is, it really comes back down to that first thing we were talking about and we're going to keep going, but that power of questions, right? Adrienne mm-hmm. wrote in there, you know, the power of questions so good. And it is because when we ask ourselves the right questions, we learn the most about ourselves. We are in alignment with ourselves and then it doesn't matter. Like then you're only going to really connect with the people that you ultimately not only want to, but are also in alignment with that high vibration that you have or that energy level that you have or that's in alignment with your core values just like you were talking about earlier and Mm -hmm. that is where all the magic happens that's when you're in the relationships that you actually want to be in instead of people pleasing the relationships that you're just pretending like there's a there's some version of you that's in that relationship but not the real version yes yeah. Yeah. I love how you put it that way. For sure. All right. I'm going to jump off the live here with you guys. I know that you want to listen to this so much more. So when we go into the recording, the full recording will be on there and I will send you guys the link for that. So for now, adios. See you next Wednesday. And uh, don't forget to listen to the rest of this conversation. Beautiful. Ciao. <laughs> awesome. So I love this conversation and you guys who are listening to this second half of it and you're lucky because this is a beautiful opportunity. Giovanna, I love what you're doing um, as far as helping human connection. Um, It's literally what keeps us alive. Yes. It literally is what keeps us alive. It's what the anticipation of love, sadness, the harder we love is the reason that we hurt so much Mm, when things mm. don't work out in a relationship, right? Whichever relationship that was and whatever way it ended, it could be a job. It could be, you know, falling out with um, siblings, family members, uh, you know, divorce, yeah. Hard hard decisions with your children. And of course, grief from loss of a a, a life altogether, you know, um, changes so much. And the more and the, the deeper the love was and the deeper the connection, I'll say, because love is so different from connection to connection and we want to kind of lump some everybody into one but it just doesn't it doesn't work out for us that way so share with me some more of these key uh yeah I want to know more about these keys that you use so you have um clarity yeah, we talked clarity, we talked curiosity, we talked being fully expressed. And just before I go there, I actually wanted to mention a few things speaking to one, the piece you said about love. And it's fascinating because in the Greek language, they have seven different versions of how to say love. And when I discovered this, I thought it was really interesting because it's not just a generalized version of you know, I love you. It is, I love you for family. I love you for friends. I love you romantically. Um, I love you in a way that we're building up that intimacy. There's, there's, 
I can't even tell you accurately what these seven are, but I, I believe it's called Eros, um, E-R-O-S, if I'm correct. And these are the, the different ways of expressing this love or this care for people. And, you know, just from my own background, I've studied six different languages from traveling around the world. And I see that even the way we express care for another human being shows up totally different based around the language that we speak, because certain words and certain concepts exist in some languages that don't exist in others. And so to have it's it, for me, I find it fascinating because it's almost like certain cultures and languages have access to be able to expressing themselves on a greater, more vast level than other languages. I find this with English. We're, we're limited in terms of the degree of which we can express care. Whereas, you know, in, in Italian or in Spanish, for example, they have a level between I like you and I love you, which is right in the middle. And that is like a different kind of care and a different kind of love that they express to their people. And so, you know, I found that fascinating that I'm like, there's, a, there's layers and there's levels of care and of love and connection that You're like, we don't verbally have. Yeah. Yeah. It's like mind blowing, right? I, I, totally. I find that in my, um, like in, in my language, I say in my language, but I'm Indian mm. and in India, we have so many different dialects and Gujarati is my native tongue, but then Hindi is the national language. So I know three, um, you know, with, between English and I see so much variation on what I can say in Indian that I couldn't say. Yeah as sometimes that's the reason why in translation so much is missed. Yes. Yes. 110%. And the beauty or the thing I find most fascinating about this, cause I'm such a neuroscience geek is that <laughs> it's, it's that our language programs, not only our brain and our way of thinking, but it programs how we see and perceive reality, what is real for us. And so if something exists in the language, in the form of communicating, then that means it must exist in real life and in how we physically interact with each other. But if we don't have these words, so for example, in Portuguese, they say saudades. Saudades is like a deep missing, a nostalgia, a, you know, a really deep care where they would express this to someone that they haven't seen in maybe 24 hours. You know, whereas in English, we won't say like, I miss you in a like, oh, I care about you. I missed you. How was your day, babe? Kind of way. We use like, I miss you as if it was like weeks or months that passed. And then it's like, okay, I miss you. And it's like this really deep, heavy, kind of big thing. Like, I really, I really deeply missed you. Whereas in Portuguese, it's like this sort of playful, like, I want you to know that I care about you and in caring for you, maybe you being gone for a couple hours means I missed you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. That is, it, it is, uh, you know, when people say, oh, you have such an expressive face or you're so expressive. That's like, when we're talking about our body language, we can express a whole array of emotions, mm -hmm. um, you know, on like many levels of loving somebody. It's, like, I love you and I have compassion and I nurture you. And I like, you know, when my, I, at 53, I know I could still come 
to my go to my mother's house and be like, I'm having a, I'm just having a bad day, mom. I literally could lay down on the sofa, put my head on her lap and she will stroke me and love yeah. me and caress me and get me something to eat. Like that's a whole different thing than like, oh, well, why don't you just go and take a bath or you know, just, yeah. you know, like shoo away and go care for yourself. It's very different. Yeah, that's also cultural big time. That's hugely cultural. It yeah. is, but like you said, it's, you know, it's in our language, it's yes. in our communication and our communication with one another is very different from culture to culture and from, Definitely. you know, different areas of the world. Um, but 100%. when I think about the things that are going on in the world today, are, are your clientele getting, coming to, like, I know I have a lot of people that are, you know, young folks struggling with confusion. You know, one of the things you said early on um, just lit me up like Mm. crazy because one of the last things that my son and I had talked about was I had asked him a question. And after his accident, I went to the school to talk to the kids. And I said, you know, just a week and a half or so before Devin's accident, I asked him a question and all these hands went up and it was just like, blew me away. They're like, I know what you asked him. And I was just like, the fact that he always shared stuff like that. Mm. I used to send him to school with riddles and shit like that when he was young. Um, And I didn't realize that he was incorporating all of his friends and getting the answer. He was like, my mom said this, 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 what is it? You know? And, And so he did that all those years. I didn't realize it. So when I asked him this question, I said, if there was anything that you could be in the entire world, anything, and you were guaranteed to achieve it, what would it be? And he's like, I could be anything. I'm like, anything. He's like, I'm guaranteed. I'm like, you are guaranteed to achieve it. What would it be? And so I said, you have to tell me what second. I'm going to think about it and come back to me. So he came back to me and he was testing the whole, I'm guaranteed. And he's like, I'd like to be a casino owner. I'm like, what? Like neither one of us are, nobody in the family is gambling, nothing, right? He's not yeah. using casinos at all, but he's like, first tell me how I'm guaranteed. I said, that is so <laughs> fascinating. So you were testing me, right? <laughs> I said, how old are you? And he said, 17. I said, that's right. You're guaranteed to achieve anything you want. You're 17. I said, so let's take it there. I said, what are you? He's like, I'm a business major. And he, you know, he's doing, he was a business major and wanted to do entrepreneurship. So great. So let's talk about the steps that you would have to take. Yeah. Right. So probably you'd have to get your degree, make some money, learn how to, you know, so we went through all these different steps and I said, I said, so that's it. Right. If it takes 500 steps, you just have to take one step at a time. You get there. You have to be committed to taking the steps and missing a step, falling down, going backwards, three steps, going back. like all of that is part of it. Right. There's no, you know, there's a, a GPS, but sometimes there's detours and there's obstacles in the way. Yeah. Welcome to life and how it's not so chronological as we'd probably like it to be. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's the beauty of it, right? We say things that sound really great, like, oh, it's the road less traveled or, you know, life is a mm. journey. But are you actually living by that? Are you actually yeah. doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a 
Certainly a big piece. And, and I think that once again, goes back to the clarity piece of, are you aware of what it is that's important for you and what you want? Because when you are, then you can actually start taking those steps and moving towards it. And, and that's huge. And I see, I see this often with my clients, you know, very successful business owners or, um, you know, just lawyers, accountants, people that have really worked their way up, be it in their own company or in corporate. And they've gotten really clear on what they wanted in that area of their life, but then they're not so clear on what actually fulfills them. So they've got this successful career, let's say successful, and they've made money. And now they're like, I'm still feeling empty and that something's missing. And the relationships that I have are either weak and they're really poor or they're non-existent. Mm. Um, and, and I've had it be that people have come to me and said, I don't trust anybody. I can't open up to anybody. There's no one around that I can actually talk to on a deeper level. And I say, that is the richness of life. The richness is when we can have these conversations and we can actually, you know, feel like we can, open up to people feel like we can share what's going on in reality very much like you do with your mom you know you're going to her house you're like mom it's a bad day you know the fact that you feel that you've got that that person in your life that support that safe space is huge whereas I see a lot of people have not even learned the skills to build that for themselves where they feel comfortable enough to be able to talk to the people that are in their lives or that the relationships have so far disconnected that to come to somebody would feel almost awkward or strange. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a good point. And I've definitely been there too. I've been on both ends of that, even at simultaneously. And, you know, I had gone through lots of, you know, different experiences with, with my parents and within my own family and, and culture, just because uh, I was struggling in two different cultures. I was here since Mm -hmm. I was two. So it was like trying to fit in and ultimately feeling like I didn't fit into my own culture. Right. Because I was kind of doing it all wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, what, one thing when you're saying that, what makes me think about the only person that somebody can feel like they can go to at that point is a therapist or a counselor of some sort. Right. And that was for me too. When I was young, um, I was fortunate enough that the guidance counselor, like kind of called me down to the office and said, Hey, we can sense that some things are going on in your life. And we're going to send you to go talk to the social worker of the school district. Mm. And he ended up being like one of my very good friends, all even, you know, through my adult life. And Mm. um, he was that one person that I could just open up and talk to. And he would say, I wish all my students were like you, Pratini. Mm. You come in, you tell me what the problem is. You tell me what the solution is. And you know, the, the challenges and you know, what, you know, what stands in the way of that. And mm. I always thought that was interesting, but I was somebody who took a lot of time to analyze stuff. So when people come to you, um, that may be struggling in their relationships with people at work, that's such a different dynamic altogether. Like, yeah. I feel like, the, you know, the human connection, um, we, we sometimes don't tend that we need to actually put up with somebody that we work with because they're not part of our relationships. 
Yeah. And yet you spend so much time at work. Probably more with more time with yeah. that person than you do your, you know, your personal relationships. Yeah. With- yeah. So you want to, you want to feel at peace in that space. So I think there's, I always say there's two elements to work relationships. The one is the physical aspect of things and the other is the energetic. And so the physical aspect of things is actually, once again, getting clear and becoming aware of where is the issue that a lot like lies at work and what can be done differently. So, you know, if you're having issues between, you know, colleagues or you're having a breakdown of, you know, communication within the group, or even let's say, you know, I've had bosses and managers come to me and they're like, you know, my team's kind of disarrayed. And, you know, one person's doing this and another person's doing that and their roles are kind of intersecting and they're arguing with each other and there's all this conflict. And I say, do you guys sit down once a week to actually have meetings between all of you to dialogue within the team to actually, one, understand where you're at, what your next steps are, what needs to be executed as a team to work in cohesion But the second piece is also like, do you do any bonding between the team? Do you do any activities or exercises, even maybe like a once a week or once, sorry, once every month to, you know, sort of like a a sideline from work type of piece where people can actually have the space to bond, to connect, to build that cohesion between them, to actually get to know each other on a more humanly level, especially now that we've all moved more online and we don't. We don't have these opportunities for more of these intimate conversations because we're not in person. And so, you know, I say, are you creating that space and that opportunity so that your team actually feels comfortable and and knows each other on a more humanly level? And then, of course, are you also setting your team up for success in that everything is clearly communicated, their roles are clear, the the what needs to be executed by what time and how is also very clearly laid out so people know where they're moving towards. So I think that's there's, that's a physical example of something where, of course, clear communication needs to show up. First, we need to be aware of what the issue is, and then we need to communicate our way through it to find the solution. The second piece I would say is energetic. And so oftentimes we may have a poor relationship with someone at work. And you just feel like there's this like tension between you and someone else. Maybe there's like very clear disagreements or arguments. Maybe it's just like, a, uh, I don't like working with that person. I don't want to be around them, whatever it is. And I would say, and I do a lot of this work as well with my clients is clearing what I call a cord. We have energetic cords between all of us. And so we actually can do these practices where we clean this cord between us. So the energy that stands between my heart and your heart actually feels lighter. It feels far less dense. It feels easier. It feels smoother. And you'll notice that when we actually go deeper into these practices and we lighten up this energy, this cord that stands between us, the weirdest thing happens that it's kind of like a chicken or an egg, because while you unconsciously already start changing your behavior and the way you talk around somebody, you'll also notice people will just start talking to you differently as well, that these relationships that once felt really tense suddenly just lighten up. And it's kind of crazy, Petiti, because 
you know, I've done this work on clients before where we've done like what I call like cord cleansing type of exercises between people. And, you know, one client came to me, it was years. She was a professor of a university, had a very poor relationship with another one of the professors. We did the work within 24 hours. She came back to me and called me. She's like, you wouldn't believe it, but this professor came to me at work today and had apologized for just the way they'd been behaving in the past. And we have a whole new clean slate. And I was like, this is insane. So powerful. It's yeah. so powerful. So powerful. So I do think we are operating just as much in a physical world as we are in an energetic world. And I think we it would be unfair to dismiss one or the other. And so I do think, of course, verbal communication needs to take place. But I also think we're always communicating non-verbally and energetically. And so if we can clean that up as well, that makes all the difference in terms of how we're actually operating at work. I love that. It's one of the reasons that I love my um, my real estate office that I have. Mm. I, I People ask me like, why do you go to that office? It's a little bit further than the one that's closer to you. It, I didn't know one or the other, but the reason I love my office so much is I say like, we're so connected. You know, we do a lot of social activity together. We do a lot of charity work together. We do a lot of happy hours together. Mm. We do a lot of things together. And when you are connected with people as humans, yeah, it, it takes away, you know, when you're only having the relationship with somebody at a job, at your, yeah. at your work environment, then it's like, you know, there's a lot of responsibility involved. It's like, you know, I, I who got the work done better? It, there's this other competition that's going yes. on. And yeah. it's this fear of, it, there's a lot of lack and restriction and fear and, and distraction involved in that. But yes. when you allow people, and, they, and so many companies, they have rules in place, right? To be more productive. So you can't be sitting around talking. If you're on an assembly line, you need to just work, 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 work. Mm, the only yeah. time you get to socialize is maybe lunch hour to be able to sit together at a cafeteria and eat something if you're in a big company. But even when I look back at the big company that my mother was uh, uh, working at, she used to work at an electronic company and it was a large company, but every year they had the company picnic, they had the different things that allowed them to come together to as, um, you know, as friends and, and colleagues. And it also allowed them to intertwine their families together where yes. kids got a lot. Now I'm friends with the woman that my mom works with her daughter, mm. you know? So I think that, that, that it makes such a big difference on now how you show up and are there for one another in the work environment when you can love on each other in a different yeah. space as a, hey, how was your Thanksgiving or here, yeah, something yeah. I got for you, you know, so. Yeah, you're yeah, connecting, you're knowing each other. Especially when you, it depend, and, and also the type of activities, like I do workshops for companies and their staff, and it is for that reason, to help the company. Yeah. Create yeah. a happier environment for their staff. When, when you are doing a lunch together once uh, a month with your staff or your, you know, anything, incorporate anything that doesn't involve work 
that yeah. involves them to have fun, even if it's like, hey, we're going to have a meeting, but we're also going to have an extended meeting that's going to involve you guys playing cornhole and whatever. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know, my, my, our team meeting, which is today, every single team meeting, the one in November is ridiculous. Like the lunch is insane, right? <laughs> the lunch is insane for all of them, but July, we have hula hoops like we like we have the little sh hawaiian skirts straw yeah. skirts yeah. and we get a rita's water ice truck you know usually there's a bottle of tito's next to it um you know what we do a lot of fun stuff together and we even make our meetings fun mm. you know, and this is what i call play this i, I yeah. love this because i i mean i call it play and i think when we start adulting, we yes. forget about, we forget about, you know, what is this playfulness that lives within us? Exactly. And this, you know, the silly childlike type of thing. And that doesn't mean throwing away responsibilities. It just means tapping into that part of you that can have fun, that can still be playful. And I think that makes a world of a difference in the relationships and the connections that we have at work. Um, and I, I do think one, it's work culture. So like you said, it depends on the workplace and the culture in that workplace and what they value most and what they prioritize most, because if they don't put connection at the forefront, then um, it makes it much harder, I think, for the employees to actually operate in that space. And it's funny because you do see big companies now, like Google moving towards, you know, creating these they have scooters. Um, they have scooters in the building. They have, it's, I mean, yeah. but you know, if you're familiar with the happiness advantage, um, mm. Sean, uh, Sean Aker, that's okay. his book, the, the happiness advantage, beautiful read. And, and then he's got a second one too. I have to shoot you the, I'll have to put the link in there. Um, it is about creating a happy environment. Yeah. And, you know, what you said is uh, two things, culture, I think yeah. a lot of companies don't even think about or define what their culture is, number one, yeah, for their employees to be able to like, hey, this is what we stand by and this is how we show up every day. Mm -hmm. The other part of it is I think when you said like that playfulness, that fun, when we start adulting. And I think that we think as adults, if we incorporate the fun back in, somehow that negates the, the responsibility, but I think it actually increases our level of responsibility in mm. the way that it increases our level of responsibility to one another, right? Yeah. We are more loving towards one another. We're more willing to, hey, don't worry, go ahead and go take your kid to the doctor. I'll take care of your responsibilities while you're gone. Like it makes us want to help one another and pick up the slack Definitely. in a way that is so much more productive and, and beneficial to the company itself. Yeah. And, and I think it's energizing. So I always say to people in any interaction that we go into, you want to be mindful of whether you are feeling energized or drained. And so if you're walking into your workspace, you're having, you know, dialogue with your clients, even going on a date, even spending time with your family, you know, how are you feeling before, during, and after those interactions? Are you coming, what kind of energy are you coming in with to begin with? Are you already drained and you're sort of pulling down the environment or are you going in energized and walking out drained? In which case I would observe what's taking place in that environment. Or the opposite sometimes can happen where 
we either go in really tired or just even neutral, but we come out totally alive, totally invigorated. And that speaks volumes about the work culture you're going into, the people you're working with, whoever you just had a conversation with, the date you went on, right? And those are those are indications of, you know, was I energized in this conversation? Did it fulfill me? Did it light me up? Or was I drained at the end of that conversation? And what has led to these things necessarily happening? And arguably, if you're going to be spending at least eight hours at work, you want to be feeling energized, at least feeling, you know, um, this sense of, if, if not peace, I mean, we all value different things. Some of us want to be at peace when we're at work. Some of us want to be excited and inspired. Some of us want to be in creative flow modes, whatever's important for us. But I know for myself, you know, people have asked me, they're like, you work with clients all day. You're hearing what's going on in their life. It must be really heavy. Some of the stuff that you hear really intense. I'm like, I, after every single call, feel so like invigorated. I have this like burst of energy through me because I'm like, my objective is to leave my client in a place where they're at this piece. They're at this like heightened space. They're inspired. They're leaving me feeling energized, which also energizes me in return. So I think that any interaction we have, we really want to be one aware of the energy we're giving out, but two, just aware of how we're walking away feeling in general. I love this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I literally hmm. can talk about this topic. <laughs> That's a big one. I mean, well, it is the, it is the fulfillment of our, our, our soul, right? It yeah. is fulfilling. Like you're saying, I walk away energized. Like it's so gratifying. It's so fulfilling. I feel so full in mm-hmm. my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, from having the privilege, and I call it a privilege, is, yeah. to be able to connect with other humans and 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 get their perspective and know what they're thinking and hear what they have to say, because it just can only enrich my life yeah. and my own thoughts. You know, I I want to be a source for people. And I want them to be a source for me because we're all, uh, I think, you know, I had heard this on a friend of mine's um, introduction to his podcast. And he used to quote uh, Waldo Emerson saying that, you know, um, we're, I forget the exact quote, but it was basically that we have something to learn from everybody that we, that comes in our path and we have something to, to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody so we are basically a part of everybody's google and they're a part of our wikipedia and i thought that was such an amazing so way of putting it because it's so true and i i am a a brain fanatic i could talk about our brain all day long and mm. we are designed uh to just kind of stay safe. And it's just not, you know, and thank gosh for it, right? If you have a program running in your brain, that's called like something's gone wrong. You evolve perfectly (laughs) properly, Yes, But we need to update that software consciously. Well, it's funny you say we're designed to stay safe because yes. And while I would say the, uh, the software is upgrading the more and more work we do on ourselves, we're also designed and the, the neuroscience has shown this There's a brilliant neuroscientist, Dr. Andrew Huberman, that speaks a I lot about him. social connection. I love him as well. And 
he actually, through research that he speaks about that was done, has illustrated that humans need social connection just as much as we need food and water. Yes. And so what happens is, and what the research showed is that when we don't have social connection in our lives, we tend to turn to food mm-hmm. as a way to give us the neurochemicals, those happy neurochemicals, the dopamine that our body is actually craving through social connection. Yeah. The opposite can be said that when we do have, you know, a lot of social connection, you can even think of it as like love when you fall in love with someone, either we often forget to eat because we're so satiated socially, or when we do eat the food tastes richer. Yes. And so this is a very clear indication. Our, the neural pathways for social connection are just the same as they are for food. And that's to say that we need, our bodies crave this social connection. And when we don't have it, then we look to other things to give us that same essence, which food can give us. Yes. But what, and, and, and I always say, you know, our relationship with food can be very much emotional You know, I know that when my clients, for example, are craving sugar, I'm like, what's the sweetness that's missing in your life? Yeah. I'm like, is there, is there something love, intimacy, affection? Where is it that you're missing something sweet that you might be turning to sugar on a daily basis instead? So it's really being mindful of that. And I know even for myself, I'm like, is this hormonal that I'm craving sugar? Is this social? Have I not gone out all day? Cause I've been at home working. And so my body really just wants people and those deep connections. And now I'm opening my fridge and looking for chocolate. <laughs> no, I, I, I love it. I think that our relationship with everything. And I say this, um, I, I feel like we definitely have to do a workshop in Mexico together. I'm going to be back there yeah. in April. So oh, brilliant. I have to find you. I have to, I'm going to be calling and, 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 figuring out a way to smuggle you in. Um, So (laughs) don't worry about that. But um, I always say that our relationship, and by the way, like overdoing anything, overeating, over drinking, over sexing, over porning, over work, over shopping, whatever you're overdoing, it's because you're avoiding feeling an emotion um, and fulfilling something that something's missing. But, um, you know, when I talk about our relationship with other people, our relationship with our business, our relationship with money, our relationship with food, drinks, our relationship with everything external to us really comes down to our relationship with ourself in that area. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when mm-hmm. we, when we're struggling with something with ourselves, that's when the relationship with these other things are also like, I had a horrible relationship with money because I grew up with this scarcity mentality um, from my parent that came from culture. You know what I mean? From just this, this mentality of lack. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like lack, scarcity, restriction, you know, punishment, (laughs) all of it goes together. And that's, that's very true for diets and trying to quit certain things and start new things. Like it all comes together and it, it starts with the relationship with yourself 100%. and with everything else around you. So I love this most beautiful work that you're doing <laughs> Thank you, um, because Thank you. it is the most important work that we can do and work on and evolve in this area every yeah. single day of our lives. Yeah. So 
Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank and you. Oh gosh, we're going to have to do like a volume one, two, three, four. I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and for sure, it, it, the minute that Giovanna and I do um, a, a workshop or anything together, for sure, it'll be recorded and put out there in the world for all of you to, to um, benefit from. Giovanna, where can somebody come to you if they are struggling or you don't have to be struggling in this area or in any one of these areas. You can just want to up-level your relationships that you already have because every relationship that you have in the world can absolutely be uh, enhanced, enriched in, in every single way. So please tell yeah. us how can we work with you um, and, and how do yeah. we find you? Yeah, beautiful. So um, you can definitely find me either on LinkedIn or on Facebook, Giovanna Elias. I'm, I'm guessing we'll put the links as well. I definitely will put all the links that Brilliant. she's talking about. Brilliant. So feel free to add me on one of these links, connect with me there. And um, even on, on Instagram, I'll add it as well. Um, but shoot me a message on LinkedIn or on Facebook. I would absolutely love to connect and we can talk better this way. Um, I offer a three-month program. I also do one-on-ones and I'm always very happy to come into any companies and even talk to their teams because, you know, this, this is just as powerful and just as necessary. So as the one-on-ones, right. Um, so would love to chat with you, whatever it is, love to have a connection call and, um, and yeah, we'll go from there. <laughs> and let her know where you found her, let her know where yeah. you found her because, um, that will be super helpful. Also, yes. I just want you guys to know, I know that we focus so much on our intimate relationships with our family members, our loved ones, and our close and dear friends, though I really want to encourage and offer you guys that the relationships with the total strangers and the people yes. that you do business with are so valuable and, oh, yeah. and really create a... a, a opportunity in your life that you would have never even known was possible. You have no idea the stranger, like she said in the very beginning, that's standing next to you in the line, what opportunity that connection can make for you, your child. Maybe you have a child that's struggling. Maybe you have somebody in your family that's struggling. And this person's got the golden nugget that you need to pass along to the next person and connecting other people with other people. It's just... Yeah. Connection is everything. The same way we connect our neurons yes. in our brain, that's how yeah. we, have to, we have to be that web as well. And I think we would create a very different planet if we really started opening ourselves up to that being on the forefront of you know our values every day to really connect with people. Yeah. If that was the forefront of all of our core values is human connection, it would, it would, and the, the, speed that it would change and transform yes. the world is ridiculous yes. as well. I think so. I definitely think so. Hence my, hence my mission to share. Yes. <laughs> I love Thank you and you. appreciate you so much. Thank you Thank so much, Pratiti, for having me today. It's been such a pleasure and it's been a pleasure to chat with you all. So thank you. <laughs> See you guys. Thank you for listening to Unpacking Brain Drama Podcast. You'll find links for all the things mentioned below in the show notes. 
And it would be incredibly awesome if you would take a quick moment to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. If you'd like to be considered as a guest on our podcast, be sure to go to www.resultsbydesigncoaching.com for a free 30-minute coaching session. Thanks so much, guys. See you next time.